First Nations tribes across the country and in Canada, of course, as well, but particularly of the Blackfeet Nation. Their lands are located in Montana and the nearest hospital being two hours away. And unfortunately, ambulances had to be called in frequently. So according to NBC News, about 10,000 people live on the tribe's reservation and the effects of the coronavirus were significant. Tribal health officials recorded more than 1,390 cases of COVID-19, including nearly 50 deaths. But now the tribe is fighting back against the virus and they're winning. About 98% of the reservation's eligible population has been fully vaccinated against COVID compared to about 40% of Montana's total population. Vaccination efforts have been so successful that the tribe has gifted surplus vaccines to fellow indigenous tribes in Canada and non-tribal Canadians during vaccination drives that brought in hundreds of people each day. The tribe also provided shots at a two-day mobile vaccination site at a port of entry that connects Montana with Canada. Any travelers and tourists who may be visiting Glacier National Park, they can also get vaccinated too. Now getting to this point wasn't easy though, as COVID-19 affected Native American communities at disproportionate rates across the US, due in part to long-standing health disparities and the lack of infrastructure and medical access, the Blackfeet Nation heeded the warnings about the virus's spread with stringent lockdowns, remote learning for schools, and social distancing rules and mask requirements. So the tribe's business council took the drastic step of closing its eastern entrance to Glacier National Park for the 2020 tourism season, sacrificing economic revenue in favor of public health. And the tribes used incentives such as cleaning supplies and gift cards to encourage people to get tested. Now the Indian Health Service, my former employer by the way, the federal agency that provides public health services to federally recognized Native American tribes and Alaskan nation populations delivered COVID-19 vaccines to more than 350 tribal health programs and urban Indian organization. And as of the 1st of June, the agency also helped administer more than 1.3 million doses of the vaccine. The Blackfeet Nation has one of the highest vaccine administration rates within the agency's health system in Montana. The Blackfeet Nation fought against COVID-19 and they won. Hopefully their success will encourage others to get vaccinated and protect the public's health. give teens a break. Now, teenagers have never been so worn out at the end of an academic year as they are this year, likely dragging themselves to the finish lines with feelings of frustration and depression. Adolescent psychologist Lisa Damore in the New York Times article believes that the summer should be spent converting their experiences into increased maturity, psychological strength, and muscle, and much like physical muscles, you build strength when a period of exertion is followed by sufficient recovery. So here are some ways she recommends to aid their recovery. First, give teenagers rooms to process what they've been through. Many adolescents have experienced loss from events being canceled, from sports to holidays to birthdays. They've lost friends in the process and unfortunately may have also experienced the death of a loved one. Naturally, 
we may want to move away from those negative feelings and find opportunities for the future to be bright. But grief is not necessarily a bad thing. Some teenagers have found solace talking to each other about what they miss, and it reminded them that they're not alone in all this. Some have shown expression through poetry. Whatever it is, grief may be a part of summer, and that's actually okay. Second, be open to negotiating the must-dos. Yes, sometimes teenagers need to do their chores, get jobs, and finish their summer work. But when possible, let them have some say in some of the details. If your teenager is eager and excited about new activities, it can be beneficial just to step aside and let them do their thing. Just make sure to look out for punishing improvement regimens that will deplete them even more in the hopes of compensating for the past year. Now, another helpful suggestion is don't let guilt ruin restoration. Many have had expectations of what adolescents are supposed to be achieving, but for many teenagers, finding ways to recover may not be a priority. They may be feeling guilty for relaxing because they feel that they need to catch up or get back to what was. It is important to explain that recovery is not meant for relaxation, but for growth and that they should feel anything but guilty. And lastly, despite all the negatives associated with this pandemic, it has given us a chance to appreciate and practice deliberate recovery following stress. This can be an especially pivotal moment in many young people's lives. New study expands understanding of alpha variant. So, in December of last year, researchers in the UK discovered a new, especially contagious variant of the virus, now referred to as the alpha variant. Now, the version quickly became the prominent one in the US as it managed to skirt certain levels of immunity to COVID and raise the prospect of booster shots for vaccines. According to the New York Times, a new study helps us understand how the alpha variant reached this point. The alpha variant has 23 unique mutations from the other coronaviruses. Most research so far has focused on nine of these mutations, the ones that alter the spike proteins and allows the virus to invade cells. One of these mutations even makes the variant attach more tightly to the cells. Now, a new study from the Cold Spring Harbor Laboratory, however, compared the alpha variant to other coronaviruses grown in lung cells. And in doing this, they found that the cells with the alpha variant made a lot less of the protein called interferon, which turns on the body's immune defenses against the virus. And when the alpha-infected cells did make the interferon, the effect was much weaker. And basically, the alpha variant is able to make itself almost invisible to the immune system. Now, the researchers also got a better idea of how the alpha variant may have been able to achieve this. The variant makes a lot more copies of the gene called, you ready for this? <laughs> I didn't make this up, y'all, ORFNB. Now, this makes a viral protein that locks onto a human protein that helps the body produce interferon. Now, according to the Times, researchers are working now to develop boosters that help the immune system recognize the viral proteins in addition to making those spike proteins. So this is great for us to know how these variants are more not only infectious, but more virulent as well. And I can assure you here at Noise Filter, we'll continue to follow this story.
American vaccine aid may not be substantial enough. In early June, the United States made its strongest entry into the global vaccine aid space. According to NPR, the Biden administration pledged 80 million doses of the vaccine to countries that needed it. And the MasterCard Foundation promised $1.3 billion to help the African Union vaccinate its residents. Some health officials, however, worry that this is too little, too late, and you can count me in as one of those health officials. Just to be clear, 80 million doses of a vaccine that are two dose, that's 40 million people who get vaccinated in a globe of 7.6 billion people. So I'm sorry, 80 million doses, not nearly enough. So first, the United States has a large stockpile of COVID vaccine. The federal government bought more than 1 billion doses of the COVID vaccine. Just to be clear, we have 330 million people in the U.S. Let's double that. If everybody got two doses, assuming that everybody in the U.S. would, we're talking about maybe 700 million people. So we bought 1 billion. So that means that there's roughly 300 million doses left. Okay, back to the story. And of the 2 billion shots that have been given out globally, more than three quarters were administered in high income nations. By the end of the summer, the US, the EU, and the G7 countries could have as many as 2 billion excess doses. Now, there isn't much clarity on how the U.S. plans to allocate vaccines either. 75% of the doses the U.S. will donate will be sent through COVAX, a World Health Organization initiative that we've talked about here a lot on COVID Noise Filter. COVAX gets to decide what countries get those shipments. The government says that the other 25% of the vaccine are to be used in a flexible way for countries that need them more urgently. And as reported by NPR, public health experts are concerned that this allotment is too vague and will only cause diplomatic frustrations. There is also a chance that simply providing doses to nations that need it is not a sustainable model. The vaccine is hard to preserve and some countries have trouble finding demand for their supply once they receive it. In order to remedy this, one expert says that richer countries should help provide technology and raw materials for nations to help produce the vaccine themselves. And I 100,000% agree with that. Listen, let's just be very clear. A rising tide lifts all boats. If we are not all vaccinated at the same time in unison, we will see variants emerge as we're seeing right now. And as these variants emerge, and right now these variants, once we see these variants exhibit vaccine evasiveness, in other words, the immunity that vaccines bring us, if these variants are able to evade that vaccine-induced immunity, ay, 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 I don't even want to think about it. So please, if you are a healthcare official who has anything to do with being able to get vaccines into low-income or middle-income countries or has anything to do with the fact that we can allow these countries to be able to make these vaccines themselves that is really the only way that we're going to get out of this conundrum we need to support the president in bypassing the trips waiver and allow these countries to make this vaccine on their own
joints for jabs, vaccines incentives. Now, the Biden administration has been encouraging states to get creative to get people vaccinated. Some utilize lotteries and other financial incentives. Some took a more smokier route. So to increase vaccination numbers, the state of Washington is incentivizing its population with free marijuana joints through a promotion called Joints for Jabs. How creative. <laughs> the state's cannabis board announced that it's allowing marijuana retailers to give customers 21 and older a pre-rolled joint after receiving their first or second dose of the COVID vaccine. This promotion is intended to run until the middle of July and only applies to joints, not edibles or other products. Arizona is doing a similar thing, except they're providing free gummy edibles to those over 21 who receive their vaccine. Washington also decided to give free beer, wine, or cocktails to residents with proof of vaccinations. Other states, such as West Virginia, took a slightly different route. Their residents who get vaccinated will enter raffles or a chance to win a college scholarship, a truck, or a hunting rifle. The program, like others, is paid for by federal pandemic relief funds. Through the implementation of these types of programs, the Biden administration hopes to see vaccinations increase to 70% of the population. These programs have been proven to work as seen with Ohio on the lottery campaign. Now we must just wait and see. And also can I just say, it's hilarious to see the different rewards or incentives depending on what state you come from. In West Virginia, it's a truck or hunting rifle because that's culturally appropriate for people in West Virginia. Here in Louisiana, it's uh, crawfish and booze. And uh, in Arizona and in Washington, it's pot. <laughs> Just as a reminder that COVID-19 and the human immunodeficiency virus do share the same risk factors. Doc Griggs. Thanks for listening to the Noise Filter Daily Podcast. Dr. Derry and I have a daily show at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time where we go into more detail on stories and answer your questions about COVID-19. You can find Doc Griggs at DocGriggs1 on social media, and you can find me at Dr. Mark Allen Derry or at D-R-D-E-R-Y. You can follow us at Noise Filter on Instagram, Noise Filter NOLA on Twitter, and for more information about us and the show, you can go to NoiseFilterShow.com. Hey, Doc Griggs, any last words? Remember, get checked, get fit, get moving. And remember to get some rest to boost your immune system. And Doc, protect yourself and others by staying home. And please wear masks when you go outside. Remember, health is a human right.
You're listening to KBOO Portland. KBOO Community Radio holds open meetings concerning the operations and programming of KBOO in accordance with the requirements of the Communications Act of 1934 and certification requirements of the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Information about KBOO Community Radio's open meeting policy is available on our website at kboo.fm. Due to the temporary closures of in-station activity at KBOO, meetings will be conducted online via public video conferencing unless otherwise noted. A public link and phone number to attend the meetings are available on our website. The Program Advisory Committee meets on the second Tuesday of the month at 6 p.m. Please visit our website at kboo.fm to verify if a meeting is being held. (laughs) 